Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. We have another amazing person on the show. My name is Brian Ardinger. I'm the host. And today with me is Barry O'Reilly. Barry is the author of Lean Enterprise. And actually, the thing I want to talk to him most about is his new book called Unlearn, Let Go of the Past Success to Achieve Extraordinary Results. So Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. You've been in this innovation space for quite some time. By way of background for our audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got involved in innovation and new things out there? Yeah, so my background is quite varied. I first job ever was I had a student visa. I grew up in Ireland and I got a student visa to come and work in the US and got a job in San Francisco with a company called City Search, if anybody remembers them. I remember it well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So City Search were like, this is around the 2000s, and they were doing this amazing thing called building websites to put people on the internet, which was quite revolutionary at the time. People would pay like $50, and we'd literally go down to the restaurant next door, take five photos of their restaurant, write up their menu and what time they open and closed at, and we'd put it on the internet. Because I was uh, able to write HTML, I was a highly qualified engineer at that stage. <laughs> That sort of got me involved in this sort of startup space where it was a crazy company that was figuring out what the internet was about and how business models and services might work on it. And it sort of gave me a little bit of a taste for that, which was super interesting and really helped me a lot. So when my visa was up, I went back to Ireland, finished my degree, and then I joined a mobile games development company in Scotland. And just after Nokia phones had come out, there was a game on it called Snake, trying to create this sort of snake by eating up these pixels on the phone and it would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And people were sort of starting to play games on phones and they were becoming a bit more than just a phone answering device. So we built this game called Wireless Pets, which was basically a Tamagotchi game. Yeah. And it became the biggest game in the UK network and just exploded. And next thing we had people like Sony and Disney and Sega ringing us up, asking us to start building games for them. We were like four people in <laughs> this tiny little like rented office outside of Edinburgh. You know, it gave me this, again, the technology was terrible. And we didn't really understand how it worked or some people understood parts of it and some people didn't. And so other people understood other parts. We didn't have QA department. We didn't really have like functions to say we just had four people it was like you know super interesting because you're just like figuring it out and that really got me into this mode of experimentation because we were just constantly trying new things or trying to understand how the technology would work or trying to find out how customers would use the product and it sort of got me aware through research the department of defense had this method when engineers were writing code that they would put two people at a desk and, and one person would code and the other person would review and it allowed them to sort of develop and test at the same time and build quality in and we started to experiment with this concept because there was only four of us in the whole company at the time and you know we found that we were building better software we were shipping more frequently there was less buggy 
And that really sort of started me in my journey to sort of understand more. Those methods started to become extreme programming and later under this agile banner. And that really sort of gave me my start learning to experiment with new behaviors or techniques to find out what worked and what didn't when you're trying to solve a complex problem. But it sort of opened me up to this whole other community of people that were passionate about this sort of method to solve complexity and embrace uncertainty. Yeah, the startup was great. And we were a group of people who were solving a fun problem, but we just had no idea how to run a business. Two years of great times. And then we just sort of blew up the company. We just didn't know what we were doing, really. We were very naive. You know, I learned a lot from that. And then, you know, I took six months off, backpacked around South America, ended up in Australia and started working in education. Southeast Asia and Australia and New Zealand had put a fund of $800 million together to build next generation content for e-learning for kids. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to start teaching people arithmetic and languages through gameplay, through like flash games. So we were building these games to be distributed to schools all over that part of the world. And teaching people Japanese through games is pretty fun. And again, even like game design, so many things about game theory is very much about experimenting or teaching people new skills and helping them get a little bit outside their comfort zone to help them improve their skills a little bit. But it's sort of a safe environment, a game, because, you know, if you die, you just sort of respawn and you're back in the game again, right? So it allows like rapid experimentation and iteration and behavior design and improvement of behavior. So there's lots of like very profound lessons happening in the background with really good game design. You know, so I was learning all these sort of techniques and applying them on myself and the way I was working. And that was really fun, a sort of space for me. And then I I did that for four years. We ended up moving to the Philippines then for a period of time. And my wife was based there. And then we moved to London. I joined a, a consultancy called ThoughtWorks, which was sort of one of the pioneering firms on agile software development and yeah. continuous delivery and when i joined jess humble had just and dave farley had just written continuous delivery people were like super excited about this idea of multiple deployments in a day because it allowed these feedback loops and experimentation to start to happen and i sort of joined the company more as somebody who sort of had more of a product mindset or business strategy person and working with companies to sort of help them reinvent their portfolio management approach, changing the way that they funded innovation projects, like working in smaller funding cycles and testing lots of ideas to find out which way they wanted to grow their business or innovate their business models. Over the course of my first few years there, Jez was starting to think about writing another book, which was less about just engineering, but more about how do you create these enterprises that can have experimentation in product and technology and finance and governance. And you were kind um, of early in that, if you think about the lean startup methodology, it was kind of adapted and adopted by startups first, but your book, Lean Enterprise, was one of the first that drew some attention to the fact that this could be done in any type of organization, whether you're a small two-person startup or enterprise trying to learn and and that. So talk a little bit about how that got started and what the impact of that book has had on uh, corporate innovation all these things it just surprises me like so many people have reached out to say how it's helped them and that's so inspiring when you create something and people are like this has really helped us thank you which is really nice and very uh, humbling because at the time you know like the lean startup had come out and that was just 
I can't remember a book that's come out like that that has such a sort of eureka moment for a lot mm. of people. People were asking me, you know, this experimentation's great, but we're not a startup. Like I hear that statement all the time. We wanted to try and show people that you can do a lot of these methods in larger organizations. And in many respects, you can have such more of a profound impact when you get them working well in these massive organizations because they have lots of customers, because lots of people can work in this way and become really engaged and empowered in their work. But it's more complicated than a startup because you've got more variables to think about. When you're a large organization, you've got to think about security. You've got to think about the way you make large investment and ways you de-risk investments. You've got to think about you know, your existing customers that you have and how you keep them as customers and find new customers and bring people on a journey that is your business's sort of lifestyle. So it is a more complex task, but that doesn't allow people to take the cop out and say, it doesn't work here, or we've tried that here before. That's what we really wanted to do with the book is we wanted to show in some of the most bureaucratic, heavily regulated on Silicon Valley companies you could possibly think of (laughs) how these people were like making amazing changes. So we did case studies of the UK government and how they adopted government digital services. I've been telling stories of the NHS. I've got stories from airline industries, banking companies, all these organizations who are sort of jumping ahead in their industry because they've adopted these methods of experimentation and rapid testing and involving their customers in the way that they build, working in smaller batches and how they're powering ahead. And if you look at the banks that are sort of growing, uh, companies like Capital One, who are massive adopters of new technology like cloud and serverless technologies, they're leaving the other banks in their wake because they recognize the power of these sorts of methods. The reason companies like Amazon continue to grow is because they have a culture that works hard to make experimentation as cheap and simple as possible. So people can be running multiple experiments at any time and gathering better data to make better decisions and unlearning a lot of their existing beliefs and relearn ones that will help them uh, get breakthroughs and innovate. Even you know, working with the airline industry with people like British Airways, who have now created a venture fund of Hangar 51, where they're democratized all their data, open up all their APIs, let startups build on top of their existing assets so they can leverage their information in ways that British Airways might even know how to use, but these startups know how to leverage it and be very effective and and they they start to partnership and collaborate on them. So there's just so many instances I'm seeing and working with companies who are doing this that sort of debunks this myth that we're too regulated, we're too big, we're too slow, our people aren't smart enough. Right. Um, they're just excuses. What I'm seeing is the companies who really go for this are having extraordinary results. So that kind of brings us up today. You've got a, a new book as we're recording this. I think it's a couple of weeks from actually being released, but by the time this airs, uh, it will be out there on Amazon and other places. It's called Unlearn, Let Go of Past Success to Achieve Extraordinary Results. This is your second book in that. What did you uh, learn uh, from the first one and why did you want to tackle this particular topic? Dig into the, the book itself. It was funny because... Um, What really inspired me to write on Learn was I was working with all these executives in these like amazing companies. And it was very obvious to me that people 
especially now, recognize that we continuously have to learn. We have to always be learning new things because the world changes, technology changes, economic changes. So people recognize that, but that's not the problem. It's tough to learn new stuff. Believe me, it's tough. I get it. But that's not the limiting factor. The limiting factor is actually the ability to unlearn your existing behavior, especially when it has made you successful Mm. to date. And it's hard for these executives, right? They're running these like multi-billion dollar organizations. The reason they have the job is because they're very, very good at what they do. the The behaviors that they have used have brought them to the CEO's office. So in in many respects, it's like, you know, all my mechanisms, the feedback mechanisms are telling me I'm doing the right stuff, right? I've I've reached the the pinnacle in some respect. But as we know, because technology changes and the world changes so quickly, the things that made you successful in the past do not guarantee they're going to be successful in the future. And really unlearning as a process is is really about letting go or reframing or, or moving away from once useful mindsets and behaviors that were effective in the past, but now actually uh, limit our success. And it's not like forgetting or discarding your knowledge or your information. It's just letting go of outdated information and actively making space for new information to come in to improve your decision-making and your action. So when I spend time with executives and speak to them about this, they actually start to have these moments, these unlearning moments. And the way I create them is by finding ways to safely break their mental model of the world. So an example of that is one of the initiatives I run is called Exec Camp. I get executives to leave their business for, in some instances, up to eight weeks with the goal of launching new businesses to disrupt their existing companies. Now, the idea is that it's like an accelerator for senior leaders and companies where they get to experiment with new behaviors. They have ideas that might innovate or change their business, might disrupt their business. But it's sort of like a Petri dish for them to sort of experiment and learn and unlearn new things about themselves. So one of the examples I share in Unlearn is I was working with the executive team for International Airlines Group. International Airlines Group, or IAG, are the parent company for British Airways, Aer Lingus, Iberian, and Velling. And they're the sixth largest airline in the world. We had their executive group leave the company for eight weeks and with the goal to launch six new ideas to disrupt the airline industry. Hmm. The first week of the program, I had one of the senior executives We were sitting down with these ideas that were going to transform the the whole industry. And he was like, I've got this amazing idea. We just need to build it. And it was a platform to change the way ticketing is done in the airline industry. And and he's like, I've been in the airline industry for 20 years. I know that we need to build this thing. So what we did was say, all right, well, why don't you sketch out your idea and let's go and test it with some customers. So we went off and he signed up to do this experiment. How do you think it went? (laughs) <laughs> my my gut says it didn't go well. Right. It went terrible, right? <laughs> the customer had no idea what he was talking about. What do you think his initial reaction was? Well, I imagine he was super surprised and that unlearning <laughs> event probably hit him in the head. <laughs> right. Well, you know, so his initial reaction was like, was silly customer. Get me the right customer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so right. It, yeah, yeah. Right. So then we, we went through the process again and they got the same result, right? Customer didn't get it. And we did this sort of like two or three times. Then I sat down with them and I was like, what do you think the problem is? And he was like, the idea sucks. It's not the customer. Yeah. That was their sort of unlearning moment, right? They sort of iterated this sort of existing behavior of 
expertise and knowing the industry and pushing ideas onto customers. And then they had to sort of break through by relearning, by testing. The idea was the problem. And what was really interesting is that person went on to be one of the best experimenters I think I've ever worked with because it reignited their curiosity in their industry. They started to see everything as an assumption that ultimately they needed to test. So when they were building these systems for their customers, they saw the systems as just a whole set of assumptions that were valid or invalid and how quickly could they design experiments to learn as fast as possible. What they thought was true was actually true or what they thought was true was false and improve it. That seems to be like in a corporate environment where you have customers, a lot of that time that legacy baggage, so to speak, of those customers that you have and how you serve those customers oftentimes can inhibit you from seeing what those customers really need or the next iteration of problems that they need to have solved. So yeah, a lot of times by having customers, you're almost at a disadvantage than a startup by default trying to figure out <laughs> what that customer wants in the first place. So there's a really subtle point you're sort of raising here is that we're often conditioned to believe that the only way to solve the customer's problem is the way we're solving it now. Yep. Because the evidence when you're a large company is that you're solving the customer problem well. That's the reason you are a large company, right? Because people like the way you have solved the problem. That's what allow, has allowed you to scale. We sort of get grounded in our current conditioning about what success is, where, as you've alluded to, startups start with a blank set of assumptions. You see, like problems generally remain the same, right? You know, if you're an airline, people, the problem is I need to fly from A to B generally the same sort of problem you know but technology radically changes how you can solve that problem over time and the problem is if you get wedded or anchored on behaviors that made you successful at a certain period and believe that they're the only way that things can be solved you're sort of making yourself prone for disruption because the truth is it's individuals that get disrupted not companies you know companies are just a group of individuals if you are stuck on your behaviors, your features, and you are constantly adapting your features or your behaviors, that's what leaves you prone for disruption. And especially when you're leading these large organizations, that trickles down into how the organization behaves. So one of the reasons with Unlearn is really it's a system to help you constantly transform your own behavior to achieve the outcomes that you're seeking. And some of those are shifting the tactics that you use, some of them are shift in the thinking that you use to achieve the outcomes or aspirations that you're aiming for. And really what I discovered from working with these leaders was that we need a system to constantly adapt to the ever-changing world that we live in. And Unlearn is really just a system to help people do that. Well, I love it. I'm very excited to dig into it when it does come out. If people want to find out a little bit more about yourself or the book, what's the best way to do that, Barry? My website's barryoreilly.com. I'm on Twitter at the same Barry O'Reilly. And if they're interested in the book, it's on learn.online. I'm doing a tour of the US throughout November and continue that on uh, to Asia and Australia in December and then uh, more in the US and Europe and then back to Africa, probably in the Middle East in the early part of next year. So I'm going to be busy. So yeah, sign up to the newsletter and you'll be notified when I'm in your city and hopefully I'll get to meet all your listeners uh, along the way. That sounds great. Barry, thank you very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation and look forward to seeing you on the road and hearing more about all the world of innovation as the world progresses. Thanks very much.
Hi, you're welcome. And keep up the podcast. It's a great podcast and lots of people enjoy it. So uh, excellent work. Thanks very much. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.